Enterprise Resource Planning or ERP applications have come a long way from the early systems used in manufacturing in the 1960s. Gartner forecasts that the global ERP marketplace will reach about $44 billion by 2022. Accenture cautions, however, that securing and building the capability to take advantage of modern ERP solutions will be a key enterprise challenge. To tackle the issues of business needs versus technical capabilities, amidst the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, future CIO is joined by Guru Gankar, Oracle's global go-to-market leader for cloud ERP and digital supply chain. Guru, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you for the opportunity, Alan. Okay. Now, first off, Oracle started out as a database company back in 1977. Its beginnings in the ERP space was around 1987 with the Oracle eBusiness Suite. Now, the rollout of its first Oracle ERP product officially was in 1988. How would you describe Oracle's ERP business today? What I would like to state is that our core business, even today, is data. It's just that the way we have seen organizations looking at what they want to pivot from data has significantly changed. And because of that, we started from a database perspective, then we developed database into applications. And now we've seen that, you know, the way data is being looked at, it's the other way around, where people are not looking to build applications on data. The people are looking to use data to deliver services. What we have seen, and we call it 31,500 reasons to choose Oracle Cloud. And that is that many number of customers that run on our complete suite of SaaS applications uh, with embedded AI, blockchain, and machine learning, all you know to be able to partner with customers uh, for their success. ERP systems are typically an integration of finance, inventory, sales, uh, human capital. The list goes on. How different are today's ERP systems compared to, say, five years ago, for example? First of all, what we have seen, you know, or organizations have seen is a sudden glimpse into the future because of COVID-19. And businesses that once mapped their digital strategy in one to three year phases now are looking to scale initiatives in a matter of days and weeks. So this is where we believe that the whole conversation of what ERP stands for and what is expected of ERP has fundamentally changed. And I would like to give you three things that summarizes this conversation. Number one, when people look at ERP, people are questioning the value of ERP. And this is where people are looking to invest for business value. We've seen organizations wanting to make rapid transitions, aligning both business changes and customer demand. A classic example of what we've seen in Asia, where there was this whole uh, US-China trade drift, and because of which organizations had to shift their manufacturing capabilities. A great example of that is Western Digital, who bought eight manufacturing facilities live in Southeast Asia during a 30-day period when all those travel restrictions are on. So these are the kind of use cases that we are seeing in ERP in terms of investing for business value. The second thing what we've seen is that the to-do list doesn't work anymore. And that is why organizations are looking to change. So what do I mean by that? So a lot of ERPs that has been implemented in the past have resulted in a lot of shelfware. So McKinsey, you know, surveyed a CIO estimate and they came up with an attribution of up to 40% of an IT balance sheet while most companies pay more than 10% interest on projects. So that is the kind of amount of technology debt that we are talking about that has been historically accumulated. And things are not improving, running into uh, millions of dollars of unpaid technology debt. The final one, which is basically the whole employee ecosystem, the whole organization ecosystem, the whole culture around speed and agility, where organizations are required to move to a new operating model and a new cloud culture. It is becoming more of not uh, why cloud, but a when cloud conversation. And that is 
a turning into a trajectory for years to come. I spoke to an analyst recently. There was this observation. If I read it properly, what he's saying is there are a lot of companies moving to the cloud. A lot of the early successes we've seen and ongoing successes we've seen as far as cloud use are in applications that are very specific, very niche. For example, Salesforce is in Salesforce automation, right? Workday for HCM and Blackline for FPNA. This analyst was saying that part of the success of these organizations, these brands, are because of the laser focus. Solutions that they have. He is saying that the problem with ERP in the cloud. He doesn't believe in the future of a one-size-fits-all type of ERP solution gaining traction in the cloud. Your perspective is he right, wrong? Uh, where do you think his view is uh, skewed towards? So he's saying on-prem ERP, great, lots of traction there, but on cloud ERP, not so much. So I think what we've seen is if you had to go back to the evolution of ERP. You remember that we used to have those ledgers, the physical ledgers. ERP in the beginning got rid of those physical ledgers. So what we're saying is that the role of an accountant got changed to become a controller. Controller become a CFO. And the question we're asking is, what is the CFO doing today? And that is how, when people consumed ERP in the past, that served a specific purpose. Uh, within particular finance function. What we are seeing today is in the lines between the various functions are getting blurred, while also the lines between industries are getting blurred. And according to our view, uh, the whole software as a service market or the whole cloud market for ERP is heading into two primary dimensions. And I call these two sides of the same coin. One is around connected data. Why? 85% of the CEOs blamed internal complexity for their O's. And we've also spoken about technology debt. And this is why, where we believe that the interoperability of ERP function, at least the core ERP uh, function, needs to be on one native cloud that can work for every industry, every line of business application, and every geography that the company operates. So connected data. Second, what is the use of this connected data? The use of this connected data is coming to connected intelligence. Another report McKinsey says that an AI-based transformation or technology-led transformation has an impact of 9 to 22% in terms of shareholders returns. So what we're saying when it comes to connected intelligence is that if you have access liquidity in ERP, in your financials, are you better off investing in those investment products or are you better off, uh, you know, doing an early payment discount of his suppliers, which is in the procurement system. Now imagine you do this at two other places, your financials is a best of breed financial application and your procurement is a best of breed procurement application. You'll not be able to use this connected intelligence for a business outcome based on connected intelligence. And this is what we believe is fundamentally redefining the scope of what ERP and the future of ERP. Based on the discussion I had with a couple of regional CIOs, they started talking about the two-tier approach to ERP. On the one hand, they said that a two-tier system allows for organizations to retain their investments in existing ERP, and this ERP will be a tier one. So it stays at the corporate, stays on-prem, while subsidiaries or the branches or business units can run on a specialized cloud ERP. Uh, they call it tier two. The two tiers will ideally be integrated to allow seamless data exchange and allow for flexibility to respond quickly to changing market signals. At the uh, branch level, they are a bit more responsive because they're operating from the cloud. Is this two-tier type of approach to ERP something that you're seeing in Asia? Why or why not? I think the world should move from being two-tier 
to called as two speed ERP. Why? Because you have organizations that are already in motion today. So let's say you are a large conglomerate, okay, operating, let's say in, in Thailand. So you have an existing systems and businesses that are already working today. And you want to open up or you have another subsidiary, which is also in Vietnam, which has also been in existence for a long time. But the business model is such that your entity in Vietnam needs to move at a much faster pace than the one in Thailand. Maybe because the way things are done differently, the stakeholder expectation is differently, the customer behavior is different. Now, in this case, the subsidiary in Vietnam cannot wait for the entire Thailand organization to change so that they can all move as one enterprise. So to me, this two-speed ERP is an intermediate solution and it's not an end state. And those organizations that come up with this two-tier ERP concept are hiding behind the wall where they can't deliver an enterprise-grade one-speed ERP. I'll tell you why do I say this. So we have 7,500 ERP customer all on the same version of the software at any given point in time. So we are talking about organizations with the likes of HSBC, Westpac kind of organization to organizations like Redmart also operating on the same instance. So in one hand, you have complex industries, complex organizations, multi-country, multi-geographical operations, different way of doing things. Then you have a company which operates locally, domestically in a very different business model. And we are able to operate that on one single software as a service instance, just like your Gmail, just like all those applications that you use for consumer services. Let me put you some metrics here and I'm going to read out those metrics for you. So we manage 62 trillion in terms of corporate revenue on our financials cloud. 62 trillion. We manage $45 billion worth of freight business on our supply chain cloud. We manage 3 billion products on our supply chain uh, capability, where you're talking about multiple product category, multiple product uh, you know, variations of many different companies. Then to conclude, we're talking about 7,500 customers on 25 different industries in 160 countries with different ways of doing things. Now, can all this be done on one single version? Here's the proof point. So do you need a two-speed ERP? Answer is yes, but as an intermediate state. Is the end state a two-speed ERP? Hell no. Among the many emerging technologies of interest to CIOs and CFOs, what is your take on AI and how do you see this technology being added on or integrated into ERP systems? What we've seen is that initially, like any technology, right? I mean, think about things that we did in the past. We needed additional hard drive to our laptops. What did we do? We actually had those hard drive boxes. Now we don't need those hard drive boxes anymore because the laptop itself comes with one terabits of data. So using a similar analogy for AI, when AI was introduced, people implemented use cases of AI. Now where we are today, the entire system needs to be built on AI. If the system is not built on native AI, then it's basically a digital lipstick or I call lipstick on a pig. Back to your question on what is my view of AI, that your application needs to be fundamentally built on AI and machine learning and not a use case based approach. I know that many organizations will have this challenge because, you know, for the same reasons you cannot convert your existing car to a self-driving Tesla, you can't convert your existing ERP to a self-driving ERP as a service. So that's my view on AI and the use case of AI uh, fall into multiple categories. One is around automation and I'm sure, Alan, you've seen a lot of use cases of this automation that are already 
happening. Second is what I call impact, where AI, when you combines with robotics, will be able to direct influence and decision making in other departments. The example that we spoke about excess liquidity in financials, able to impact decision in procurement. That is AI use case when your ERP is built on AI. And finally, when you combine AI with IoT and blockchain, we are talking about from suppliers to payment conditions to shipping companies to taxation, etc., can all be organized on a single uh, irreputable ledger. So this is where we believe that the whole definition of AI-powered ERP is going to be the only way forward in terms of the current evolution of ERP for many organizations. Some suggestions that have said that during the pandemic, ERP projects will take a back seat. So this is a forecasting. They're saying that executive levels will put ERP projects because they're big, they're cumbersome, they take a lot of effort. They'll take a back seat to more tactical projects that solve a specific, unique need. Uh, what is your view on this? Yeah. So I think, look, I mean, we have seen that customers are not only taking back seat on ERP, they're questioning the value of ERP, even the one that they have. Because many of these ERP, uh, the amount of money that gets spent on this ERP in terms of hardware, infrastructure, people maintaining internally, as well as those uh, organizations that are being hired to maintain them. So the whole question of ERP is, is questioned in a way. So in our experiences, customers are coming to us where they want to invest in ERP for business value. So I'll give you a few examples. I spoke to you about rapid transition with Western Digital, where they wanted to open up eight manufacturing uh, factories in Southeast Asia in a 30-day period. Now, when was the last time, Alan, you heard an entire ERP supply chain factories being set up and ERP rolled out for eight different companies across Southeast Asia in a matter of 30 days without travel? So these are the kind of business value we're trying to solve with software as a service ERP. The second example is there are organizations which are aggressively growing in terms of M&A. And a classic example is Kraft and Heinz company, which is that uh, ketchup company. I mean, I only know them as a ketchup company. I know that they do many other products. So they merged eight a billion dollar brand each yeah in less than 2 months and you know in terms of the budgeting time frame we are talking about a record industry leading you know ebitda uh, earnings so that is the kind of things we are talking about where organizations saying that investing for business value where they are looking for mnd third you know the other example i want to give you and dropbox was one of in one of our event uh, i believe a month ago where they are talking about unprecedented scale they announced their first ever profit since ipo 18% climb in revenue and today they have around 15 million paid subscribers. To be able to facilitate that, they had to go from 11,400 allocations to 200, a 98% reduction in global accounting. So these kind of use cases where we are seeing that customers are coming to us to be able to add for business value. And then there are some other organizations who are looking to reshape talent, you know, like Orange in France is a classic example where, I mean, I'm not going to talk about France as a, as a country because I really like being there most of the time, but Orange in particular said 25% of the workforce is set to retire in the next five years. And their current generation of the workforce that is coming in is expecting the digital tools at least on par on what they have in their B2C scenario on their related use. So in a nutshell, what I'm trying to share with you is that the people are not investing in ERP for the sake of technology. And people are indeed questioning the value of ERP that is coming off their current ERP from on-prem or even cloud-hosted ERP. The conversation that is coming to us is where they want to drive business value. And this is where we are able to make a huge impact uh, because we focus on software as a service. So this is not cloud ERP. This is not ERP on cloud. This is software as a service. CRP. What should CIOs and 
members of the C-suite remember then when they're trying to decipher the future of an enterprise application, for example, an ERP, as far as their organization is concerned? What should they remember? Yeah, I think, you know, in my views, there are three specific topics that the CIO needs to question. Number one, when we talk about digital economy, we are all talking about less is more in the in the digital economy. The first topic for the CIO is how do I get rid of this technology debt that has been accumulated over years and how we can move from this whole CapEx model into an OpEx model and into software service. I believe this is a huge topic for many CIOs. And I can understand from where these CIOs are coming, where you have a huge on-prem business model, you're trying to lift and shift to cloud, but that still doesn't solve the problem. It only solves one part of the line item. Uh, But how do you, as a CIO, you need to have a plan to move to software as a service. And then all those two-speed ERP or two-tier ERP is a transit part towards that. The second, for CIOs, what is the future of technology investment that you're doing? Like what you're doing today, can it sustain? Yeah. Let me give you a classic example. Like, you know, you use one of those productivity tools, whether you call it Microsoft 365 or G Suite, etc. You never upgraded those inbox. You never upgraded any of your laptop to suit to that purpose, right? But every time there was a new capability that was rolled out by the application itself, which made you stay up to date and current, not just from a technology perspective, but also from a compliance perspective. Like, you know, if you are in one of those in European countries, they also made you GDPR compliant. They need to think about what is the future of technology investment on those lines where whatever they're investing today, it can sustain not just from a technology innovation perspective, but also from a business perspective where they keep it compliant, changing regulation from an application perspective. Like, you know, classic example is a bank. The change in IFRS compliance, how is your application also changing to keep your, you compliant with that? So that is the second one. And third is the CIOs need to think about because there is no no organization is going to fund a large scale transformation. Organization need flexibility where the implementation or the rollout of ERP is as per business priority. So which means what organizations CIOs need to think about is how can I provide a capability to the company where they can start from anywhere and go everywhere. Just like your one of those email services, you started with email, then you move to one of those Google Docs or SharePoint, etc. And all the underlying integration is taken care of. So this is where you started from one, but you went everywhere and you didn't have to worry about the underlying thing. So this is where we believe that CIOs need to think about application in that manner where they can let those business teams or subsidiaries or line of businesses that they can start from anywhere they want to. But in the end, they, are, they don't have to worry about the underlying integration, complexity, etc. So three things, get rid of technology debt, think about the future of technology investment in terms of successive outcomes. And third is start anywhere and go everywhere. Guru, thank you very much for joining Joining me on Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alan. That was Guru Prasad Gankar, Oracle's global go-to-market leader, cloud ERP, and digital supply chain, on the topic of tackling the issues of business needs versus technical capabilities amidst the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, or put simply, ERP trends for 2021 and beyond. You are listening in to Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We also invite you to sign up for our weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.